0: where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 177, Matt Moret Seminar from the NWTF Convention. And I am your host and the guy who's ready. All of the gear is piled up on the floor in the basement. The shotgun is in a case sitting beside all the gear. The truck has some gear loaded in it. My camo clothes are laid out like tonight is a school night, and I just hope that I can sleep. I'm fired up and ready to go because we are 10 hours, 23 minutes, 38 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. You guys have heard me tell you in previous episodes that I'm going to be quick with my intro and outro, but you've never heard an intro as quick as this. I've got to brush my teeth and get in bed. Meliagris Galapavo Clause is coming to town. So today I'm going to play for you guys the Matt Moret seminar from the NWTF convention. I thought that Matt did a great job being informative and entertaining in his seminar, and I want to play that for you guys, so let's get into this now. Here's Matt Moret, and I'll see you guys on the other side. How many
1: people are just mesmerized by the gobble of the wild turkey? How many of y'all go out there and you hear that first turkey gobble and you get that little Hairs in the back of your neck, stand up, little chewed bones. Does that happen to anybody else? Or is that just me? No. Heck yeah. That's why we're here today. What's that? I, I got you. Oh, you don't have hair? <laughs> you know, the coolest thing is to come to Nashville or, and, and just watch the thousands of people that walk through the door that love to chase these, these birds. And You know, any brand new turkey hunters? Anybody, nobody wants to admit, well, that's good. If you are? this man. That's awesome. Welcome welcome to the sport. I'm going to tell you right now, it's addictive. You can ask any one of these folks out here. By the time you put that first turkey in the freezer, if it didn't cost you about 250 bucks a pound, you can enough crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Look at the bags around here. Honestly, it is an addictive sport. When you get out there and and you hear that first turkey gobble, y'all remember the first turkey you ever heard about? The reason I'm here today is because my dad took me out when I was six years old something between his legs and, and I listened to him and his buddies call around the house and I called to a turkey and when it answered me back I was hooked for life and uh, it's, been a, it's been a great ride for me and I'm just so proud to come down to the convention every year in Nashville. My daughter, is she loves the turkey hunt. She cares less about deer or anything else but she won't miss it. a day that she gets the opportunity to go turkey hunt and I'm getting able to pass it down in my family tree. And, um, you know, there's a lot, this, I, I don't care if you've been to every seminar today, you walk through that convention center and talk to everybody you might see on television or people you read about or what have you, nobody knows everything there is about turkeys. If we did, we wouldn't be here today. If we went out and yelled and every turkey that we called to gobble and walked to the end of our gunpowder, it wouldn't be fun. Anybody have any vendetta against the turkey from two last year or the year before that? It <laughs> make you mad, can't it? Yeah, I mean, just about the time you think you got it figured out, they do something different. I got another question, and this one's pretty close to my heart. Anybody ever missed a turkey in here? <laughs> All right, I see a lot of liars out there. <laughs> seriously. You go turkey hunting, you're going to miss. It happens. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. I want to get back to ladies that I see out here. And I know we have a new turkey. How many of you ladies out there are turkey hunters? Awesome. And I see that side of our sport growing tremendously. But turkey hunting, guys, turkey hunting is the ultimate female sport. No doubt about it. Girls are better shots than we are. And there's, I mean, some guys in here might beat their chest or whatever, but girls are better shots than we are. You take a, a female out, give her a little instruction with 22 rifles, she's hitting quarters at 25 yards in a matter of sex. Women are more patient than we are. But the biggest reason is, what other sport can a girl go out and talk sexy to something that's male species and blow its head off at 20 yards. I mean, that's total revenge on, on, on the gender. But anyway, welcome. Glad to see it. I see lots of youngsters. i seen lots of youngsters throughout the show today. It's so important to our sport, and you hear that everywhere you go. Lots of people trying to take this sport from us. The kids today aren't involved. These things right here, in my opinion, are one of the worst inventions ever. My kid doesn't even watch television anymore. She gets there all her information right there. But anyway, get him outside. Anybody heard of Turkey Gobble yet this spring? You have I, my number. I, after the show, I'm glad to give it to you. And if you need some help with the spring, I'm glad to, to give you some help. I actually, I, my, my home is in Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. Um, Tuesday morning, I walked outside. I had a book that I've been watching about two weeks every day, and he lost one side, and I really wanted to find one of his antlers. I figured I would, and I walked outside, and five Longbeards were fighting at the end of my field. And about an hour later, I went out and yelled one time, I didn't was to do that, but uh, they gobbled, and I thought that was a good send-off to Nashville. So things are starting to happen, and uh, it won't be long. I mean, this part of the world, if you're from the southern part of the United States, I mean, South Florida comes in in two weeks. So it's upon us right now. So we all gather here in Nashville to talk about turkeys, and, Again, I, like I said, I don't know everything there is. I, I'm fortunate to get out there day after day in the spring. I've made a living in this business since I was 16 years old and, and get to chase turkeys a lot. And I make the same mistakes everybody else does, and we don't call every turkey up that, that we yell at. It, it's impossible, like we said earlier. But stuff we should be doing right now, obviously, some of y'all were honest about missing turkeys. I missed six turkeys last year myself and you know i know that when it's when i before i get going there i gotta get out there to the shooting range and i see a lot of kids out there you know everybody talks about patterning and this and stuff Patterning your shotgun is great how many of you guys enjoy patterning your shotgun shooting paper
2: <laughs> i enjoy
1: it but not with the big not with those big three inch magnets they hurt if you're going to take your, your child out there to shoot their shotgun and i know there's some kids out there i want to tell you the secrets. don't make them recoil sensitive i learned this I we learn a lot of lessons the hard way, but my daughter, I take her out with some just trap load 20-gages, put you know, play birds at 20 yards and practice aiming at them. I think that's more important than her pattern of the shotgun. I want her to shoot at a standing target at 25 yards, squeezing it just like you would if you were shooting a rifle. That way when that turkey comes in, she's thinking about what she learned or what, they think about what they learned and they squeeze that trigger. Most of the time that we miss a turkey, other than being out of range, Sometimes they're too close. Practice those close ranges. You know, last, last and I'm gonna tell a quick story on this flat Practice shooting at ten yards. You know, with today's ammunition, choke tubes, and where it's at today at ten yards, you don't have much of a pattern. And you really gotta get down on that bead, psych system, or whatever. So get out there this time of year and shoot your guns, pattern your shotguns. There's a lot of range and all kinds of different shots in this and whatever. Shoot what shoots the best in your shotgun, what you have confidence in. Just because your buddy shoots, you know. Some brand ammunition, some shot size, doesn't mean that's the, the, the same for your particular gun. Back years ago, I worked for a company called HS Stroud. I worked for them for 24 years. And we had a waterfowl division. And a uh, gentleman that uh, ran the waterfowl division it was always making fun of us when we come back and miss a turkey. He's like, How do you ever miss a turkey at 20 yards with a shotgun? You got a pattern like this. You know, we should dust some geese, all this. And, you know, just really ride. So about the second I invited him on. a I invited Barney Caleb on a uh, turkey hunt down in southern Iowa. I was living in Iowa at the time. And uh, long story short, my whole goal of this trip was to get a turkey somehow so close that he would miss it, just so I could not hear this anymore. But long story short, Bruce roasted a turkey down there. It just a perfect situation. There was two log rooms that came together, and just a beautiful hardwood top and panel. Uh, we slid in there the next morning. I knew right where to set up. I got a decoy out in that crossroads and I put him about maybe about 10 yards, probably a little less than 10 yards from that crossroad. I got behind him. And I said, Whatever you do, don't shoot. We want to get all this great footage. Please don't shoot until he gets up there to the decoys. And uh, long story short, Turkey just, I mean, it was, like it, it was a godsend. First thing he does is start gobbling, gobbling, and recall a little bit. And he flies down. Can't see him. I hit him one time. He just comes right back, and you just hear him coming close. You can hear that rattle on his chest. He gobbles on his own. He's looking for us. About that time, y'all know what that feels like. When you can't see him again. And they start making that sound. Anybody that, that, Get anybody like, like it does being when you hear that sound? I mean, it's just your heart pumps, and you can't stop it. About that time, I see that tail coming up over that hill, And I look at Barney. He's left-handed. He's three yards in front of me. And I see that gun barrel just doing this. I can see it's like shit. I'm like, we're gonna win this game. <laughs> anyway, just, and a lot of times when they see a decoy, the thing you want to do is stop calling. So he pops his head up over that hill and he sees that just one hand decoy up there, and he just locks up and he slow walks. I mean, it takes him. It feels like it takes 30 minutes for him to walk five yards. Anyway, he gets up there to that hen and I let him just play around there a little bit and I cut to that guy when he sticks his head up and they said shoot. And I, right before that, I cut to him, I look at Barney's gunbrow, I went from just shaking to figure eights. I mean, he's, like, he's losing. Long story short, he pulls the trigger. I watched the leaves above that turkey's head. <laughs> I mean, he's four feet over his head. He never put his cheek down on the shotgun. He was so into the show that he forgot to aim at the turkey. I know that has happened to a lot of us in here. Sometimes you get so into it, you forget that you got to aim at that thing. It happens to me all the time. I get cross-eyed sometimes from staring at him so long. and. Anyway, get out there and shoot your shotguns. I know everybody in here is going to talk about that and we'll talk about scouting. You know, your neighbor just north of here, in the state of Kentucky, in my opinion, has one of the best regulations anywhere in the country. That, you know, on public ground, if you get caught, and it might be on private, too. I don't know the whole letter of the law. But if you get caught with a turkey call in your pocket out there yelling for the turkeys before the season, it, it's a you can get a ticket of defense for it. Back home where I'm from in Pennsylvania, I guarantee when the turkeys start gobbling, people go out there and start calling them in. Well, that makes it tough. I mean, I'm not saying turkeys get call shy. I don't know if that's the correct term or whatever. We are predators. I mean, they know that we're active. And the more you educate them out there, especially in your good hunting spots, the smarter they're going to be. You know, if you got to go out and yell or call to a turkey before the season, go to your best friend's hunting places. Don't make his turkey smart. I can <coughs> Best thing to do is just get out there and listen. Lots of things change this time of year. You know, these guys, they've been buddies all fall, all winter long. I can just tell you, like, at my house in the terrain in Pennsylvania, where I a lot, just like here in the you know, eastern part of Tennessee, hills and valleys and you know, just some pretty rugged terrain. My turkeys that were around my house left in October. And I've only been here two years at this place. And they leave in October once the White Oaks are down, and they you know, probably pretty much gone. They know that winter's coming, and they head to the sun side of the mountain. They actually cross the valley on another mountain to spend the winter. This past week was the first time I've seen turkeys come back. And it's just the start of the spring ritual. So now it's time to get out in the woods, learn the land. And, you know, in the next few weeks that are coming, lots of things are happening out there. Turkeys are always establishing that pecking order. Every day of their life. It's not just in the spring. It's all year long. You know, in the wild, lots of things are different than the way we have it. You know, turkeys had McDonald's and things like that, it'd be a whole different story. They're out there to survive. They live every day of their life in survival mode. You know, when a hen, a turkey is hatching those eggs, she's sitting on that nest and she's imprinting those pulse before they even come out of the egg. The first thing they learn is to stay away from danger. We're danger on wild turkeys. A lot of people say that they can see so many times better than a human and hear so many times. I don't know what those figures are for real. I hear lots of stories. Y'all know right now they can see really good. They can see better than we can. And they can detect movement at unbelievable distances. And that's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about when we talk about decoys and things like that. Turkey's senses are great. Probably way better than ours. But you got to remember, they're surviving every day. You're in their house where they live. You know, some people love or hate camouflage and this and that. I'm not going to Turkey Woods without looking like the, the place that I'm hunting for. And when I get set up, you know today's world with all the stuff that's available, you can melt into that environment out there, but you still gotta be still, especially at the right times. Think about times we've been walking through the woods and you're just looking around all of a sudden and you see a deer's ear twitch, or you see a deer's tail, like a squirrel tail. That movement's what catches your eye. Same thing with turkeys. You know, with the youngsters out there, with the invention of, of ground lines, the way that the technology has allowed us to get great concealment. If I had a ground blind when I was a little boy, I probably would have saved a lot of butt chewings for sitting still. And it makes it different. For whatever reason, you can take a, a portable blind and put it in the middle of the field, the turkey doesn't pay any attention to it. They'll walk right up to it and strut right beside it to your decoys. And, you know, one of the best ways to get young ones out there and get them involved. My personal way to hunt, I don't like to use blinds a whole lot because I just think I love sitting by a tree and I love making mistakes. If I know that I made a mistake, that turkey got me that day. And, as I get older, I learn that you know I used to want to kill everything that I could out there, and that was you know my goal. I've always thought it was trying to shoot one, and obviously that is isn't a, a goal for a lot of folks. But I love to spend the time and learn everything I can every day that I go out there. And I promise you, when you do that, it puts a lot of it puts a lot more into the experience. Just learn from your mistakes. If I hear a hen yelp on the next ridge, I want to hear a yelp all morning because I want to sound like her the next time I go to the woods. And that's, that's one of the things that we we're talking about. Now, there's so many opportunities to hear different people talk, and, and there's so many people to talk to in there that enjoy this sport so much, and everybody has things that work for them. The bottom line is it's common sense. We're the only animal that has the ability to reason and figure out a situation. But for whatever reason, when we get out there and turkey goggles, sometimes we lose our mind. How many of y'all are deer hunters? Anybody still to this day have trouble sleeping the day before opening day of deer season. That's why we go hunting. If you're out in that deer stand, let's say we're bow hunting, that first doe comes in, we're not going to shoot a doe, and that right leg starts to shake. Has that ever happened to anybody else with me? That's why we go hunting. It's, the, it's that adrenaline flow that we get. And like I said, when we're out there turkey hunting, we're talking to these birds. We're not just making noise. And that's, that's something that, that was taught to me a long time ago. You know, even though that I love the turkey call, and, and go out there and try to make different sounds, a lot of times I was just making noise. When I learned how to talk to them and know what they needed to hear from what I needed to say, I was a lot more successful with bringing turkeys closer to my gun barrel or closer to somebody else. Nowadays, I, I personally probably don't carry a gun five or six times a year all spring. I enjoy calling turkeys up for other people more than anything in the world. I love to watch other folks' reactions. And you know, the crazy thing is whether it's a first time hunter that's 10 years old or somebody that's been at it for 50 years, and that old turkey shows up and, and you can see it in their eyes, and you can see it in their motions, and the uncontrollable heartbeat and adrenaline pump that you get when you know it's about to go down. Let's just talk about calls real quick. You know? Thank you. Thankfully, I had some good Pennsylvania boys. I stuffed my pockets with turkey calls at the booth and I forgot our striker, but Cody makes a good turkey call too. The tone is built right into these things. This day and age, anybody can run a turkey call. And I'm going to, I'm just going to borrow a little one here real quick that I see. You want to come up and help me, buddy? You don't want to? I might give you a free turkey call if you go up here and give me a hand. Look at that. All
3: right.
1: I see. Will you come in orange? You're coming. Okay, come on, come on. I ask you first. First of all, that's the best outfit I have seen today. Yes, <laughs> sir. Come on up here. Oh, I don't want to see your name, Matt. What's your name? Quincy. Where are you from? Tennessee. Is that a pretty good place to go to church now? It's not. You want to go to Tennessee? I mean, you got me trained. <laughs> have you ever used a slate like this before? Say no. Attaboy, you learn how to not tell the truth right out of that. Yeah, hold that like a pencil. Hold that in that hand. And all I want you to do is make a little circle. Man, you got it, buddy. You got it. That's all you got to do. You've used one before, haven't you? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Are you all going to be around the show? You can come out the booth and I'll get put and take care of But you can't have it. Alright? And I want you to pray to you. A Second, I want you to do me a favor on Monday. I want you to take that turkey call to class. And as soon as that teacher turns around there's no chalkboards anymore, whiteboard or whatever, and goes to write something, I want you to do it as loud as you can. Alright? I'm kidding about that. <laughs> Thank you. Come Goodbye, Quick if you call any turkey in, in the country like that. And that old hen's yelping, that's what she's saying all the time. You don't gotta get fancy. Slate calls, box calls, tongues built right into the call. The stuff they have today is incredible. They already sound like turkeys. Now when we get to the woods, now it's time to talk to him and lay that presentation out and, and tell him what he wants to hear. You know, when I grew up turkey hunting, when I was a kid, there wasn't much information out there. There wasn't cell phones or the internet or Google. You want to learn what a hen turkey sounds like, you had to go to the woods and spend time with it. You can Google hen turkey elk on YouTube and there's 7,000 different variations. Every turkey has different voices, just like we do. That's why there's so many calls available out there. Some people like slates, boxes, a good turkey hunter. Like I said, not a good turkey hunter. Most turkey hunters, like I told you earlier, they got a best pool of half the stuff that's available out there on the show car. I mean, y'all got your favorites. But it's amazing that you always... I know you guys do. I've seen the bags of crap you got <laughs> um, the front of the It's amazing you always reach for that old faithful, the one you have the most confidence in. And that's the, that's the key. you got to have confidence. You already sound like a church. Let's talk you know, a little bit about the calling situation. And I wish I could say, hey, if you can do this, you can call up every turkey in the country. Like Quentin just did there, the basic yell is something turkeys do every day of their life. They wake up. They tree call, which is a yelp. It's soft. She might fly down, and she's just letting other turkeys know where she's at. She'll on a box call. I'm going to show you a couple little tricks on a box and a slate here in a minute. One of the cool things with a box call. This thing's been around a long time. There's probably more turkeys that are on walls than in freezers around this country because of a box call uh, most of them are a lynch box anybody have a lynch box in here i didn't even know this thing was called a box call when i was a kid it was always a lynch box for a long time i mean every old time turkey hunter where i'm from has a lynch box you know one thing with a box call volume control is a little bit tougher but one thing you can do is just take your finger on that sound that soundboard right there and you can muffle it down just by pushing on it You muffle that sound. Again, I don't care what kind of calls that you use. That yelp right there, if you can do that, you can go anywhere in the world and kill a turkey. You don't have to know that whole repertoire, all the language of the turkey. They're yelping all the time. Soft, loud, controlling the volume is very important. Before we do this, let's talk about decoys real quick. How many of y'all use decoys? And That's way more than I've seen 10 years ago. How many believe in decoys? That's awesome. Anybody not believe or don't trust decoys? Skeptical. Skeptical. That's, that's beautiful because that's how I was for a long time. And, and I'm, you know, I happen to work for a for a decoy company, but the, the person that introduced me to decoys, when they first came out, they kind of looked like half buzzard, half turkey, and you know. And they work one out of ten times. Now here's some keys about decoys that I think that when it happens, it'll change your mind. Decoys can run turkeys off. They can do what you don't want them to do. It can happen. Lots of reasons, and and we'll we'll cover that. But decoys have come a long way. I mean, who thought you could make a rubber, my buddy calls these a rubber chicken, who thought you could make a rubber chicken look so realistic? And technology has allowed us to do this. But what sold me on decoys, gentlemen's up there right now, without a doubt, one of the best taxidermists, if not the best, turkey taxidermists in the world, is Callie Morris. About uh, 15 years ago, Cali came out and had a line of mountain hen decoys. And when I got my hands on one of them was on a hunt with him, and I watched how that decoy worked, it sold me. And it sold me on a couple things. That thing was so realistic that when a guy would see it, nine times out of ten, he was going to get closer. He didn't always come to it, but he was going to get closer. Probably seven times out of ten, if you let him come, he was going to come and try to breathe that hen. I realized that it was the realism, obviously. Because in my past... I, I was skeptical because I put a foam decoy out, and it might have some interaction, but most of the time the turkey would kind of get nervous and walk off, probably because it wasn't realistic. Calling's the same way. A lot of times it's where you put the decoy, too. When you put a decoy out, the best thing to do, you got to remember that turkey lives there every day of his life. If you're in a heavy timber where he can't see that decoy, it's not going to work as good. You want to get it out in the open where he can see it. Logging roads, if you're in the chamber of fields, that's why they work so well. You know, because they're, they're putting that visual contact on it. Another thing with, that I've learned the hard way with the decoy, when you know that gobbler is locked in on it, don't call to him. Don't keep calling to him. That's a big mistake that we make. And sometimes we're out there, we all like to hear him gobble, we want to hear him gobble so he has no breath left. And a lot of times that's a mistake, especially if he's locked in on your decoys. I didn't grab a goblin decoy to bring down here, but I'm just going to hit on it real quick before we went into this thing I want to talk about, kind of simulating the hunt. My personal choice, and, and what we we at AVNX have, have learned, is that the best way to track a goblin spring is by using baiting aspect, which is some sort of a hen decoy, and a gobbler decoy, pecking on it. And almost every time if they commit to your decoys, I would say 9.8 times out of 10, if you have a gobbler and a hen out there, you will go to that gobbler first every time. If he forgets about the mating aspect, he's gonna run that other gobbler off. And you know, I like to use a, a less dominant gobbler decoy, and I promise you that it'll, you know, when I saw all those hands, it makes me smile, because I know things are working. Without a doubt, realistic decoys have changed the game certainly. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be skeptical, because, you know, you gotta think about the, the selection. We make a whole bunch of different models of them, and there's lots of them available, but think about this, you're dealing with a gobbler out there that's maybe a two-year-old. Maybe, you know, it was Jake last spring? He's a two-year-old. He's got a little timid side to him. You put a full-strut decoy out there, full-strut is the most dominant posture a gobbler can have. He comes out there, last time that he got tangled up with him, it hurt. He got hit upside the head with a wing. I mean, it, you and I are smart. We're only going to take that one or two times, and we're not going to try to go find a thing. It's just like... You know, it's just like us, the dominant, pe- the pecking order in, in wild turkeys is tremendous. And it comes to, into play with sometimes the calling and your decoy selection. And that's why, you know, we make so many different poses, because they all have their, their pluses and minuses. You know, a lot of times we have a, a feeder pose. A feeder we use a lot in my part of the world where there's a lot of pressure. And a feeder's just a contented hen. You know, one thing that I always look at, when I came over to Higginet six years ago, when I got a lesson. In birds and feather placement and body posture we call this our breeder decoy basically we do that because of the way her body is positioned lengthwise but the cool thing about this if you look at the feathers on the back and you watch hens' body language out there it'll tell you a lot about what's going on this decoy when you put it out it's actually calling to that turkey and you don't realize that they call it through body language but when you pay attention to turkeys and they do talk to each other not just vocally her wings are dropped on the side of the body. There, she's showing that she's content. And think about it. Last time you saw a turkey see you or spook or get nervous, he draws those wings up tight to his body. Whether it's a gobble or a hen, so you exit real quick. Those wings are showing you that, you know, this, this hen's content. So it keeps that turkey relaxed. You put a feeder out there. That turkey's feeding. When she's when she's feeding, she's at her, you know, most contented um, time that she could be and you're relaxing that turkey. So you're thinking like that when you go to your decoy selection and you you go to put them out. We don't make six or seven models just to sell a bunch of them. We make six or seven models so you have your choice of what you want to do. If I know I'm battling with a turkey that's been out there for years, he's got a lot of birthdays and I know he's gonna have big spurs and I'm having a lot of trouble, I'll go to that strutter style decoy because you're challenging him. Then you're showing him a dominant pose.
3: We've all seen it. I mean, they'll work, no doubt. But the more dominant you make your, your gobbler decoys, the more time you might run a turkey off. There's no doubt about
1: it. But, you know, we talked, we, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth, and I apologize that there's so much we can talk about. We could stand up here all day, and somebody else could be in here and have different opinions and things that work for them. I've seen it, you know, we're talking about shotguns earlier. I personally like six shot. I shot it my whole life, and I have a lot of confidence in it. Get out the road, some people shoot fives, and I know there's some stuff that's a lot smaller out there nowadays that are doing incredible. Use what works best for you. Just because, like I said, this because it works for your buddy. If he uses a slate call and that's what his go-to, that doesn't mean that's the best thing out there for you. How many of y'all in here use diaphragm calls? Anybody in here can't use a
3: diaphragm
1: call? Okay, and that's common. Very common. And I'll be honest with you, I ask that question a lot. Because this is the kind of opportunity you have here at, at, at the convention to win that that room, and anybody that's working in that turkey call those turkey call booths. I don't care if you come to Zinc or Quaker Boy or Primos or Nightingale or H S Truck. There's somebody in there that can help you. They can that can see. Now there are some folks that I ran into that absolutely cannot cannot use a mouth call. I mean, it, 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 there is that. There's not many, but there is some out there. But a diaphragm call, obviously, everybody that. that forever is thought you have to use one to kill a turkey. That's not true. They are the toughest to learn for most people. They're the toughest to get most realistic because you got to spend time with it. Best time to do it, to practice with your mouth calls, is in your vehicle going back and forth to work. Now, I want you all to take a survey this year because you you probably never paid attention to it before. But from now till opening a turkey season, just keep an eye out there on the roads. and you watch some guy or some lady driving down the road just they're practicing in their truck. Best place to practice. I grew up practicing all the time. My mom wanted to throw me out of the house. And uh, I had I got run downstairs. And, and when I bought my first house, I actually made a little room with some soundproof insulation that I could get down and practice my turkey calls. Because it's something I love to do. I hear so many guys today come up and like, man, deer season ended. I got my turkey stuff out. That's awesome. Don't get your turkey calls out the night before turkey season, especially in mouthfeel. <clears throat> Year to year, you want to store them in the refrigerator and a lot of guys freeze them, wash them in cold water before you put them away, and they can last a long time. The worst thing on mouth calls is, is lights like this, sunlight, anything like that. Latex is live, and it will degrade them. There's tons of mouth calls out there on the market. And today's technology and the way they build calls, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, these calls were built by completely by hand. There wasn't a machine to help you. You stretched them, hit them with some wires. Every call you get was different. Nowadays, we keep the latex thicknesses the same, everything's consistent, they can build them with a the press that, that measures them exactly where they need to be, and the, t- the technology has allowed us to make a better product. And you, know, you see all these cuts, the more cuts are on our, um, the top read of a call, usually the raspier, more gravelly that call is. The less cuts, the more it clears up. Some folks like to call raspy, some folks like to call clear, Hens are both ways. You know, that there's all everything out there has a different voice. And that's one thing. You do nothing else when you leave here, go home next week, the following week or whatever, and Google hen yells and listen to the different variations. And and all those variations come into play when you're out there in the turkey woods, whether she's clear, whether she's fast, whether she's slow, you know, it, it all can it all can be in your arsenal when you go out there and, and get in your woods. If you're out there hunting, you hear a hen yell, and you think she sounds like your box call the best thing you can do is try to imitate her, because he hears that hen every day. If there's a hand out there that cuts three times and yells six and I hear this competitively, I'm gonna do the same thing. I mean, you're out there trying to fool him. And things like that are where the guys that are real successful at bringing turkeys in day after day, they're listening for that. And it's just automatic. But a mouth call, for, for just real quick, basically get a seal on the roof of your mouth. You lay your tongue up there, kind of like you're gonna fog your glasses to clean them. That's where that air comes from that you want to run across that reed. But today's stuff, you don't, to, you don't have to hit it real hard. You don't got to push your tongue up there real hard. And you don't got to blow real hard in the talk. When I first learned how to use one, it took everything you got. You almost got blue in the face to get a sound out of it. Now you can just kind of eat your tongue up there and hit it. And you're going to get a sound out of it right away. And you want to bring that air, not just blowing it like you're blowing a candle out, but puffing it kind of like you're going to clean those glasses. lots of little things you can do with your throat and a little tongue pressure to get highs and lows and all that, but you want to sound real, you want to sound like that turkey out there, you know, when a hen wakes up, just like us, most of us don't wake up and start screaming and yelling. When a hen wakes up, she's just real soft and subtle, she wants to let those other turkeys know where she's at. Just that soft little tree call. You know when you hit that gobble the first thing in the morning with a tree call and he gobbles back whatever You know what I'm talking about? That feeling, like he just answered me. Right here is so a lot of times we make a mistake and we hit him and he gobbles back and go He's there going. That's why we go turkey hunting. We want to hear him gobble. But the more you make him gobble up there in the tree, the longer he's gonna wait for you, that hand to get close to him where he can pitch down to you and go start business because that's what he does every day. Those hands go to him. Or if you're hunting in a place where other people might hear that turkey gobble, the more he gobbles, you might attract another hunter. If, he's an, if he answers you, he knows you're there. You don't have to go crazy. When you got to get a little more excited is when he stops answering you, or something's not, something just doesn't feel right. You know that he's not paying attention to you. How many of you heard the term "hand up"? I'm going you blame "hand up" on a lot, of, on a lot of warnings? I'm, I'm with you. I think it's an overused term. Because if you look at the turkey populations today across this country, in the last 30 years, the NWTF, the reason we're here today, the National Wild Turkey Federation has done their job. There's turkeys everywhere nowadays. I mean, 25 years ago, you couldn't go out of Nashville too far and see, I mean, you don't have to go very far out of town to see turkeys. I know where I live in Pennsylvania, there was never a turkey outside of the mountains. Now they're down around subdivisions, around cities, and all that stuff. The population's but hend up is a term that I think is overused sometimes because most of the days that we go out there, that guy was trying to find hens. And hens are going to go to him. But yeah, we're going to catch him on days so if he doesn't have any hens. But hend up is something that we're going to experience a lot. And we'll talk about that a little more as we go through this. But, but don't get frustrated. Because a lot of times we go out there and get him pre-call, he gobbles, he flies down, he shuts up. You know what I'm talking about. They're thinking, man, he ain't you No, know, what happened? I screw up and I call wrong. It's just he's being a turkey out there. He's got a couple girlfriends out there, and he's not disrespecting them. Now he struts around them for about 30 minutes, and they're not doing nothing. They don't squat. They don't do nothing. They're just feeding, eating. They're not receptive. Then again, about 8:30, all of a sudden he remembers that any Or you come to him with some calling. He got his back. A lot of times that happens every day but so many times people give up especially right after you know the flight out time I think the best time to call up a turkey in my opinion is from 8:30 to noon I think that's when a lot of people are more su- successful and so many people go home I mean yeah you might go to work or whatever I'm asking another question. I asked a lot of questions anybody ever take a nap in a turkey so. Is that not the best place in the world? You know, the sun starts to come up and your eyes get tired and all of a sudden you take a nap. Now, does this ever happen to you? You're taking a nap. You heard a turkey gobble early in the morning. He shut down and he didn't really cover any ground and you start to get sleepy. You take that nap and all of a sudden you're half asleep and you hear turkey gobbles down there. He either lost his hands or they weren't receptive or what have you. Take that as a lesson. In the last five years, For me, I went back to the kind of old school tactics that I was taught as a kid to be a lot more patient. Every day we go to the woods, we're trying to get great footage and stuff like that and carrying all that crap around. We're not as mobile. You know, it used to be if the turkey shut up, I was going to try to find another one. I've had a lot more success by just sitting back and waiting and let the situation unfold and being patient, waiting that turkey out 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. Or a lot of times what happens too is you'll be working a turkey, he shuts up, and subdolent or not subdolent, satellite gobbler all of a sudden show up. And a lot of times I think, you know, I hear this a lot too. You'll know, you be working a turkey, shuts up, nothing, 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 all of a sudden from your right hand shoulder. All of a sudden one of those satellite owls shows up. You know, it might not be that same gobbler, but I think if there's if you know there's turkeys in the area, you've been pulling them in the morning. I think we're doing ourselves a real disservice by leaving them right away. Hang in there a little bit extra, as long as you can, because I think you're in the game, especially if he's answered you a couple times. You know, if he answers you one or two times early in the morning, he knows you're over there. If he answers you, you know, pretty good after a fly-down time, he might have some hens. Hopefully, he's not going very far. I'm not saying they won't leave completely, but I always try to give him the benefit of the doubt. And for, for us, it's paid off big time by being a little bit more patient. So. Let's kind of go out on a simulated turkey hunt, and uh, let's say it's opening day in our state. We've done all our scouting, we know the area very well, we've uh, practiced our turkey calls all year. We've had in our shotgun and you know, it's one of those days where it's, it's easy to get out of bed at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning because we're excited and anticipate. We pull into our favorite spot and you know, it's well before break of day. And for some reason, opening day of turkey season, you're always there an hour early. By the middle of the season, like you're flying to get to your spot because you hit snooze 17 times. And uh, anyway, we wait for the day to break. Me personally, I like to let the morning unfold. I just like to hear stuff happen. You know, I don't go right for the avenues or crow calls or what have you. I like to let those turkeys just be turkeys. They're pretty much, if they're in there, they're gonna gobble. And you know, that's, that's I think, so many times we alert turkeys of human presence by going out there and starting to do, doing all these things and trying to make some unnatural things happen. An owl hoover is a great locator call. It's <coughs> early in the morning, a barred owl, and you know, there's lots of people that make great owl hooter calls and, and crow calls. I think it's a necessity in your turkey bed. You know, an owl isn't a, a barred owl is not an enemy of a turkey. It's just something loud, natural, that guy works for those turkeys environment. Something here's every day. To me that if we can duplicate Thunder, without a doubt, that's the best turkey locator call in the world. If you're out there before a thunderstorm, off in the distance and it cracks, and you didn't think there was anything around it, if that could ever happen, if you ever get that opportunity where you're in a safe distance of a thunderstorm, go out through your turkey woods and listen. It's the best locator call at all.
3: But, a Barra. How many of y'all have to turkeys? Make out. I' All right, we've got a lot of
1: album. Anybody using the voice? All right, we're going to have an hourly contest because we've got two sides of the room. Y'all falling asleep on the a A bar house, a new, a bar house case is an eight note case. Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? Y'all think you can do that? I think we need to have, to there's lots more people on this side of the room, so y'all are going to have to, you know, you're going to have to get some volume. Can y'all go with me when I, on the count of three? You got I mean, to be, there's, there's half as many people. You all right? You ready? Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? if anybody sleeping? You need to wake them up. Right, Queen? You're not sleeping yet, right? Your dad trying to talk me out of that slate call yet? <laughs> all right, ready? One, two, three. That's a bunch of California out there. Here Think y'all can beat them? I know there's some Pennsylvania boys in here, and rednecks, maybe outlaws, I don't know. Right? <laughs> A couple ones in here too. Y'all ready? Three, two, one, go! Awesome. We got some ringers over here too. There's some guys that sound like an owl. Al is a great locator call. Crows are a great locator call. This, again, it's just something loud, natural that turkey's environment. Let that morning unfold. Let's say we've been out there and we hear two turkeys, guys. One on a on point of a ridge. We know he fed up there that, that evening before. We know right where The other one's down the valley quite a bit. We, we have permission to hunt that ground. I'm going to go to that turkey right over the ground. And I think this is crucial. When you get set up on a turkey, the farther he can see your set-up position coming to you, the more chances you have for him to hang up. And what I mean is that even if you got decoys out, he comes out there at 100 yards and you can see where he hears that hen or sees those decoys, his natural instinct is to stand out there and display and bring that hen to him. So he shows up there at 80 yards, he starts to strut. He turns that tail, he's showing off to that hen. Even if he sees a gobbler, you know, he might not break that far. But let's say he's walking in there and it's 50 yards, he pops up over the hill and he sees other turkeys, you're a lot more, you're a lot, chances of him hanging up out of gun range because he's just about there. And I know that some of you can kill turkeys at 50 yards. I like to just, I like turkey hunting to be 40 yards and in. I think that's when it's the coolest. And you know, I know in here in Tennessee, I think your limit is four, right? Four guys, and that's awesome. If you want to shoot the first two at 40 or whatever your max yardage, that's great. If You want to try something fun? Let them get as close as you can possibly stand. And anybody ever had one five yards just and the ground shakes? Them? Is that not the most awesome thing in the world? The, 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 the happiest thing to happen is if you're set up like this and you're waiting for them to show up and all of a sudden right behind you. they that ever to Or they show up there and gobble about ten yards behind you. And your butt comes off the ground that far and you like, oh, know you can do that. But that can happen too. Let's say you go out there, we know this turkey's here, and we slide up there. You know, it's still pretty dark. Turkeys can't see at night. They can skyline you, especially in the moon. You don't want to get to the top of that ridge and walk to them. Get where that terrain will let you get. You know, so many people have different philosophies on that. Some people like to get real close to them. If you're that good, that's awesome. I like to give it a buffer, you know, 150 yards, 125 yards is <coughs> fine for, for what we're doing, especially trying to film them. Get set up. Me being a right-hander, I like to find a big tree bigger than my shoulders, point that left shoulder in the direction I think the turkey's coming. They don't always do what you want them to do. The reason I do that is because I can swing my gun better um, to the left than I can to the right, coming across my body. Get set up. I tell everybody to unload your turkey vest right there. Get everything on the ground. That way if you shoot a turkey, get excited, run off, and forget all that stuff, you've got to come see us at the show next year to replace the stuff with turkey. Anybody ever lost something on turkey (laughs) wood? I swear, I'm standing here today, I have a buddy in Alabama, we killed a turkey years ago back in the swamp, way down in L.A., down in Eddie Salter's hometown, L.A. He always says it's from L.A., Lower Alorado. Um, we ran up, got a turkey, got the truck, level, and took off, and he left his shotgun sit at the tree. And to this day, that 870 that is an advantage real tree camo is still in that turkey woods. I'm sure it's been flooded a few times. Now, he left his shotgun, went back. It's a problem with camouflage shotguns. You lay on the ground and you forget exactly where it was at. It, 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 anybody in here have lost a shotgun? Okay. Lots of stuff out there in the turkey woods. Lots of stuff. But no, in all honesty, get yourself ready. Let the, let the morning come to life. The little birds start to wake up. Everything out there. It's if, you know, if you're a new turkey hunter, when you watch a spring morning just unfold, and everything is about to happen, it's as cool as it can get. It is absolutely, you see light. Come, you know, From the darkness, from the animals that wake up first, the birds, and you know, i remember being in south florida the first time that i heard a uh oh what's ribeye of the sky what, what bird is that sandhill crane we don't have them in pennsylvania the first time i heard a sandhill crane i thought it was like a pterodactyl i mean i never heard <laughs> anything like that in my life and they'll scare you if you're not if you don't know what they are you, my first trip in the swamps alabama when i was 16 they set me down this logging road and all i heard you know being from pennsylvania obviously a Yankee. All I heard from those Alabama boys was, "Man, you got to watch the cotton cottonmouths and this, the gators." I mean, I had snake chaps, and I'm not tall anyway. I mean, I had everything. I looked like a Michelin man, walking down through the woods because I was scared to death. But the sounds that I heard in the swamps of Alabama were some of the coolest things that you could ever hear in your life. And you know, as you go up to you know to where we live in Pennsylvania, New York, and the New England states, it all changes. And it's the most awesome thing to witness as an outdoorsman, especially in the spring. You know, especially in our part of the world where it's been, I mean, everybody up there right now is grouchy. This winter's not been too bad, but we are stuck in that cold weather, it's gray a lot of times, and everybody needs a little sunlight to be happy. That's why I love to come to Nashville in February, because most of the folks from here south, they, they get that sunlight. They're feeling good. They're feeling like I want feel when I hit the turkey woods. But it's just the coolest thing in the world. But let the, let the morning come together. I'd like to let that turkey gobble on its own we can use those outlooners, if we have to, to make him gobble. The thing that you want to make, if you've got to make him gobble, is to figure out where he's at. That's what a locator calls for. You want to figure out how to get set up on Let's say we get, you know, you're better off, the turkeys will do anything. They'll fly across the river, come down, then they'll go across, then they'll do that stuff. To put all the odds in your favor, if you get the same level with that turkey or slightly above, you know, or if you know where he's going, you want to get between the roost and where he's going. I mean, that's the best situation. So we get set up on a little ridge and using the ridge to our advantage a little swale out there about maybe 60 yards. He has to get to there to see where that hen's calling from. So he's just out of gun range. I get my decoys, put them in an open, a little bit off my left shoulder. And one reason for that is if that turkey's coming from that doorway to me, if I put my decoys right between him and I, when he's looking at those decoys, I'm sitting right behind him. Now, a turkey can see 280 degrees without moving his head. But I don't want his focus on those decoys with me in the background. And I've made that mistake more than once. So I put them off to one side, if possible. You know, and a lot of people say, well, how do you put your decoys? People have theories on that. I try to make them look natural. Most of the time when you see a Jake or a gobbler and a hen out there, that gobbler's following them. And maybe they're walking to, you know, maybe there's a field over here, and I know they're going to walk to that field. I'm going to make that hen look like she's walking with that gobbler right in toe. I'm just trying to make things look natural. Let the woods come, you know, just start to settle down all of a sudden he gobbles again for 125 <clears throat> yards. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for. The first sound I'm gonna make of that turkey on the limb is, is just what a hen does when she wakes up. And usually, I don't do it until I hear a crow out there. That's usually about the time those hens wake up those crows. I hear a couple crows going at it. I'm gonna let him know where I'm at. This real soft, subtle yells. Again, if he gobbles at that, he knows where you're at. You don't gotta keep calling to him. You know, he got us three or four times on his own in And he got before he before I get any more aggressive with the turkey, taking his temperature, feeling him out, thinking about what he's gonna do, I think that's the key. I learned that from a lot of my buddies and heroes that I've gotten home with over the years, guys like Ray I, or Eddie Salter, two of the best guys I've ever been in the turkey weekend. And you know, Eddie's just relentless. If he's going hunting he's going to hunt all day and he's going to make one get cranked up and he's going to call in for somebody I, I haven't been in the woods with eddie too many days where something didn't happen and what he's good at is taking that turkey's temperature if he needs to crank him up get him excited he does that if he needs to lay back and and not say a whole lot he does that too and that's that's what the key to turkey hunting is is get you know knowing what to say to that turkey to create that mood, to create that illusion for him to come pay you a visit. Let's say we keep going a couple times and he's answered every time. I'm listening for other hands. I'm listening for other gods. If this, all of a sudden this situation doesn't pan out and one's wearing it out down the ridge, I'm going to head down that way later in the morning. If, you know, if you're set up on one, here's a real common mistake that we make,
3: especially as, as a younger kid who's wanting more instant gratification. This turkey shut up, I'm heading over there.
1: By the time I get over there, this turkey shuts up and this one starts gobbling again. Okay, then this one starts gobbling, it shuts up, this was, and we keep bouncing back and forth, I'm spending more time moving, or if I didn't just stay put, probably would have called both of them at one point. So what I, I think to do is, you know, let, let it unfold, he gobbled a few times, and all of a sudden, here when it's been 100 yards or one, you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear, you know, 25, 22 pound bird coming out of a 50 foot tree, hitting the ground making make some noise. Or you're gonna hear a difference you can hear a difference in that gobble in real loud up here on the limb and all of a sudden sound like he went 80 yards away. He just got down on the ground. And, you know, it all depends, too, on the time of the year and the leave-out situation. You know, in the north, when we start turkey hunting, there's not a leaf on the tree. By the end of turkey season, you have a hard time hearing turkey if it's 100, 150 yards away. So you want to pay attention to that, too. If I know that gobbler's on the ground, I don't hear any hens. Maybe her, let's say I heard a hen way off. I know maybe she's not with that gobble. Not root really right there with him. When he hits the ground I'm gonna take his temperature. I'm gonna hit him with that basic sound that all hands make. I'm just gonna yelp at him. I'm gonna say, hey, I'm over here. Just a basic yelp. No. No. Maybe try my bot stall. You know, hit him just with the basic. Don't make all those squeaky noises like No. Okay? Now he took his temperature, per se. You hit him with something, you're just trying to have contact with him, and he didn't answer you. Now you know it's a turkey hunter, it's just like us. You know, guys, you can test that. How many of y'all are married here? How many of y'all, when your wife says, hey, take out the trash, do it the first time? So you're attested to it, right? You have to get a little inflection in your voice, right? Yeah, Okay. Beer right now, you know that's
3: right.
1: <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Inflection is important and emotion. Now you know you got to tell that, that guy about like something else. You got to tell him, hey, take out the trash with a little bit more of authority. Not a cuss word yet, just authority. <laughs> now, then I'm going to go to the authority. I'm going to go to that hand when she's at her most decided point. When she's really, really excited to be with a gobbler, or she's really, really, really mad at another hand, she does a sound called cutting. And to me, I think that's probably the, the most important or the bread and butter call for a turkey hunter to know because it can control a lot of situations. Yelping is obviously the number one, but for me cutting is what you, you probably get turkeys fired up, you get hens fired up, because you can be an aggressive call and it's probably my number one and most important vocalization in the spring. Cutting is pretty much when you learn how to cluck, turkey walk around clucking, just letting each other know where they're at. Not that fast is she's just looking for another turkey. Now when when she's excited. The sexiest most excited hen in the world let's say we hit him with that he got his back one of the things that i like to do is, is keep on calling if you listen to a hen when she yells when you watch when you're watching those youtube videos you're watching her in front of you she yells if you watch the contest up here today at the grand national contest you see a lot of guys doing this they got their mindset, they're, they think, you know, they're trying to be a hen, and they've got their hand like this. But when a hen yelps, she, she's yelping like that. Every note stops because she's a listening. Most of the times, hens won't call over each other. And you, if you really pay attention to it, a hen, she's doing it like that because she wants to hear in between notes and case. But she will always stop. And she's a listening. Us as hunters want to do the same thing. Sometimes you get so into it, and that's what I like to do. A lot of times, if I know I got to crank a turkey up, I might start calling. And I hear him gobble. I'm gonna keep calling like I don't hear him. A lot of times, you're playing that mind game with like she didn't hear me. So I start cutting, and he gobbles in the middle of it. I will just keep on doing a little bit. You know, I don't have. To, it doesn't have to be fast. It's just sharp. It's maybe that right to break that up. I'm playing hard to get kind of. I'm playing like I don't hear you. I'm trying to turn that table, get him excited. You ever see one when he's so excited coming to a decoy that that snooze hanging down looks like a barnyard turkey? And you know you're in the swamps, Alabama, and there's nothing tame about this turkey. He's just mesmerized, and he's mesmerized because you've got him excited, and then he visually sees a girlfriend, and he can't take it. That's where I want him to be. I want him to get so excited that he says. If she's not coming to me, I'm going to turn and start coming to him. Let's say we cut like that. Maybe yelp a couple times. Yelp real soft. Eight yards. That little heel's out there at 60. He's getting close. All of a sudden, hearing gobble on his own. He's looking for you. First thing I'm going to do is just let him know I'm still there. Something soft maybe right there. Doesn't have to be loud. If he gobbles on his own, I'm going to answer. I'm listening. I don't hear any hands. I don't hear anything else there. I just hear I heard that turkey gobble. Sometimes he'll gobble and hear an old Jake
3: go. <coughs>
1: that old Jake's running with it. You know, he this time of year he probably gobbled a lot. You know, a week from now he gobbles that big old long beard, swats him upside the head. And he stops gobbling. He's gonna make a lot of people call it coward. That Jake Jakey Think about that, because that can be a tool that you can use later on. A turkey might hang up or something. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's say this particular hunt, all of a sudden you see those tail feathers come up over that hill at 60 yards. Got our decoys right here. You hear that sound we talked about earlier? That. I mean, that to me, that's when you know that he's, you know, you almost got that thousand dollars or whatever it costs you have a turkey mounted. I mean, you got to burn a hole in your pocket. Because you know, this is a big turkey in the ridge. You've been hunting for two years. Start to shake. You know, you have to make another. Story. Back and forth, he goes. He's hung up a little bit. Just out of range. Now it's a tough time because you got your hand shaking a little bit, and you don't want to make any move, and you don't want to sound like a woodpecker. And you finally get it down on the call. Remember that turkey's now 55, 60 yards. You know you got to make another sound, and you go. And I promise you, if you call that loud the one that's that close, he'll start shaking. And think there's a 900-pound hand on the other side of that. <coughs> Closer they get, soften it down. I mean, if you got to use a friction call. Just plugging fur on a slate collar, or glass call is about as good as it gets. Obviously a mouth calls in your mouth. You can learn how to use one of these one hand. I like to put it down on your side on the backside and I got my shotgun right here. How many of you ever got to that situation to reach down and scratch the lead? I made it real. Hands make that sound all the time. I'm walking around in dry leaves, especially when it's dry out that right there alone. Can call a turkey though. I've seen it many many times thinking out of the box thinking realistic maybe early in the morning you want to sound like that hen turkey flying down I mean a lot of times they'll make a vocalization when she leaves the limb she'll be getting ready to leave but when she cackles what else does she do? her wings would be take your hat I mean you're just telling that guy whether you hit the ground all those little things to keep in your back pocket can make a difference it's not rocket science, I promise you. It's not rocket science. Most of turkey hunting is common sense. So let's say we soften that call up. Hopefully he you know, comes pays us a visit, comes to decoys, and we take one home with us. That doesn't always happen. Let's talk about a couple other things. Let's say that all of a sudden he gets out there 50 yards and a hen starts to She's off our right hand shoulder. She doesn't stop. She comes right beside us, right in front of us, right past our decoys, goes to that godly. And uh, as that happens to anybody, it makes you mad. It makes you real mad. What makes me even more mad than that is I'll be trying to locate one, walking ridges and calling and yelping and trying to get one to go. And all of a sudden, the worst sounding turkey call I ever heard in my life. <laughs>
3: that
1: makes you know that you are human because there's something that they got that we can't get. And I've seen that happen many, many times. We're going to battle with hens out there. That we talked about earlier, it's a term that's probably overused, but she's going to battle it. Dominant hens aren't few and far between, but there's aggressive, you know, every turkey, every deer, whatever, there's aggressive, there's aggressive hens, there's aggressive gobblers, and vice versa. She might be a dominant hen, but she might not be real aggressive. I always try, to, if I know a gobbler has hens, I try to work them soft. I try to be part of the flock before I try to challenge her. Now, she comes back real hard and aggressive and cut into me. I let her finish, and then I answer her back. I think one of the things that we do a lot of times is we call over that that hand or we call over that goblin. A turkey, if you listen, rarely call over each other because they're talking to each other. It's just like us. If we're trying to have a conversation, and we're both talking at the same time, neither of us are going to hear what each other's saying. Um, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and we talk over each other a lot because she knows everything in the world. And... It's a struggle. But when you calm down and talk to each other, that's what, how you communicate. Turkeys are the same way. They're always listening. Here's another aspect of it. Let's say that happens. You got a hand in a gobbler decoy out there. You know, the most dominant call that a gobbler makes is a God And a lot of folks say, you gobble out there. I've tried it once in a while. Once in a while, it's my last resort. And I'm not saying it doesn't work because it's going to work great. I'd much rather sound like that Jake. A
0: ton of thanks to Matt for giving me permission to record his seminar. I hope that you guys enjoyed the presentation that Matt did. It was kind of basic at times, but I know that we old timers need to get reminded of the basics from time to time. And those of us who are new to the sport of turkey hunting need to learn as much as we can about the basics which is why I created Turkey Hunting University. Imagine what you could learn from hunting with a guy like Preston Pittman or Jeff Buds, who Jeff has killed about 450 turkeys himself. Turkey Hunting University is as close as most of us will get to actually hunting with these guys. You can get on Turkey Hunting University and learn about whatever topics you feel like you need to brush up on, whether that's scouting or calling or decoy strategies. There are a bunch of different topics out there. And the cool thing is it is all on demand and it is all pay-per-view. So if you feel like you just need to brush up on your scouting skills, then you can purchase one of the scouting videos. Or because not every turkey hunter turkey hunts the same way, you can purchase every scouting video. Because how cool would it be to learn how to scout from Jeff Buds, who is awesome at traveling around the country, stepping onto new properties, and killing turkeys? And how awesome would it be to learn how to scout from somebody like Preston Pittman, who I'm pretty sure is about 90% turkey? That is the cool thing about Turkey Hunting University, to me, is no two turkey hunters turkey hunt the same way. And there is no one correct way to turkey hunt. So Turkey Hunting University gives us the best of all those worlds. And when we get the knowledge that we need at that point in time, when we're in the woods and we're faced with a scenario or situation that we remember from Turkey Hunting University, then we can decide which strategy or technique we need to put into play at that point so go check out turkeyhuntinguniversity.com check out some videos on there and we have added some new videos this week so there's more up there this week than last week we discovered a few glitches thanks to you guys who've been listening to the show and for helping me with the soft launch of the site and we're working on some of those glitches some of them we've gotten straightened out already but others we are still working on but there are no glitches that are going to stop you or prevent you from watching the videos that you purchase and learning some great information and strategies. So before I cut you loose, I would like to say welcome to a new future turkey hunter and a new member of the Turkey Hunter podcast family and the newest member to the Willahan family. Max Willahan is our newest little turkey hunter. So, congrats to Thomas Willahan and his wife on the birth of their son, Max. I know you guys are excited. I actually saw a picture of Max on Twitter, I believe, and he is one cute dude. That's for sure. Congrats to you guys. I'm excited for you. And just remember, wheels being a parent and not sleeping is just like being a turkey hunter and not sleeping. You can handle it. You can get through it. All right, one other housekeeping thing that I want to tell you guys is that somehow, someway, we got dumped by Stitcher. We didn't really get dumped. We just got, let's say, put on pause because none of our new episodes were posting on Stitcher. The most recent episode that was up there as of last week was in October sometime. Thank you to a couple of you guys who emailed me and messaged me on Facebook to let me know that Stitcher had dropped the ball. Well, Stitcher picked the ball up. And we are now back on Stitcher. So for any of you guys who prefer the Stitcher app to listen to the show, you can pick those shows back up now on Stitcher. But remember, if you want to subscribe to the premium content, then you have to listen to the premium content using the Podbean application on your mobile device. So just remember that one little tidbit. But if you're okay with the free episode, then... We're back on Stitcher and ready to go. Okay, so I tricked you. We don't really have just two housekeeping items. We have four housekeeping items today. So, housekeeping item number three. Well, here's J.R. Holly to tell us about it. Hey everybody, I've got J.R. Holly on the line with me this evening. And we are picking our next winner for the giveaway this week of the Dixie Fowl Company gear that jr has graciously donated to give away and jr how are you this evening
2: i'm doing good andy how you doing
0: i'm very well thank you so i love the story last week of the osceola and Mm -hmm. you know anytime i get to hear a story of a turkey flopping it's just it just makes me smile right how old were you when you first started turkey hunting
2: First started turkey hunting. Let's see, I was in the sixth grade, so I would have been 12. I had a a real good friend. Him and his dad and uncles in our town were known as the turkey hunters. Uh-huh. And uh, every small Alabama town has like one little clan or one little family that's the turkey hunters. And this was my my buddy's family and I don't know, got me interested in it, watched some videos at his house and started going and not too many people in my family knew a lot about turkey hunting, but my grandfather knew where there were turkeys. So he would take me and turn me loose all through middle school and I'd chase him around. But yeah, I was, uh, I was about 12 when I first started turkey hunting.
0: That's cool. And you started on your own pretty much. I mean, you know, without having family to get you out there and drag you out when you were, 4 or 5 6 years old.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We um <clears throat> yeah, like I said I had a close friend who who kind of showed me the ropes, but we were still kids, but yeah. But yep, yeah, grandfather took me, dropped me off and I was just chasing him around, learning as I went.
0: That's pretty cool. So, you started at 12. How old were you when you killed your first turkey?
2: I killed a jake when I was 15.
0: A Jake. Awesome. And you, did you call him in yourself?
2: I did. My, my first turkey and the first bird I ever called in. And it was exciting, I can tell you that. Man, that's too cool.
0: Yeah, heck yeah, I would have been hooked, no doubt, had that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you just picked our winner for this week, so... Awesome. Entry number 15 is our winner, and let me do some math here. It's high level math for an Alabama boy like me. (laughs) Yep. All right. So, hey, I actually know this guy. So, Joe Casalco is our big winner this week. Okay. Sounds good. 15. Yeah. So, Joe's a longtime listener of the show, and he and I have emailed each other often and actually spoken on the phone a couple of times about, believe it or not,
2: turkeys. Well, imagine that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Joe's a good guy. So congratulations, Joe. I will shoot an email out to you, and I'll copy JR on the email, and we'll let Joe and JR take the conversation from there so that we can get that gear in Joe's hands. But, Joe, you need to go to JR's website, And, Jr, give everybody the web address again.
2: Okay. The web address is DixieFowlCo at uh, DixieFalco.com. Excuse me. There we have all of our lines of items. And for anybody who didn't win, they can still go to DixieFowlCo.com, use promo code TURKEY18, and still get $5 off for the rest of March. Man, that is too cool.
0: And very gracious of you to offer that promo code. As well as the giveaway items. Very appreciative of that.
2: So well, we're happy to do it.
0: Good deal. Well, man, I'm going to let you go because I have a feeling it's getting close to your bedtime. And believe it or not, it's really getting close to mine because I'm going to be getting up in the morning
2: to see well, a shotgun uh, over my shoulder. You're probably not going to sleep much tonight anyway, so it won't really matter what time you go to bed
0: you're right. I probably should just drive on over to my hunting spot and get out of the truck and just stand there and wait on it to get daylight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I did want to say one thing. We're going to kind of mix up what we're doing for the last giveaway. We are still going to give away the Dixie Fowl hat and decal, but in the spirit of turkey season opening up, we felt like we wanted to do a little bit more for the last giveaway. So, We are going to throw in a turkey hunting gear pack, and this gear pack is going to have the Dixie Falco gear, and then we're going to throw in four small items that that we like to keep in our turkey vest that are small, inexpensive things, but we really feel like can make a difference in a turkey hunt. So the first thing that's going to be in the gear pack is just going to be a foam knee rest that you foam gun rest for your knee. Never leave home without one of those, never a small yeah, it's I started using one about I don't know eight, nine years ago, and I've never looked back. I always keep a spare. Yeah. It makes sitting so much easier,
0: yeah,
2: the second item is going to be just a small pair of uh, pruning shears, just you know last minute adjustments, snip a branch, build a blind, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, those fit easy in your vest, and those can make the difference between having room to swing your shotgun and not. So that's going to be in there. Third item is just going to be a small thermo cell refill, just the one fuel canister with the inserts. Yeah. Nothing ruins a turkey hunt more than mosquitoes in your ear in Alabama, and you can't hear turkey gobble because there's, you know, little pterodactyls in your ear. Yes. And then the last one is just a little travel size thing of wet wipes. Just keeps you comfortable and keeps you out there longer. We wanted to throw in those four small things, and hopefully, the winner will uh, will be able to use them and be successful.
0: Man, that is too cool. Those are four great items to have, and you're right, they're really invaluable. That, mm-hmm. that foam knee rest, I have yep. had one, not this, well, I still have the very first one I bought that I use as a backup when I take somebody hunting with me, but I have owned one of those and taken one of those into the woods with me for probably twenty years. I mm-hmm. will not consciously go into the woods without it. Right. I've accidentally left it before, you know, at the hunting camp or even at the house, but man, that thing is worth its weight in gold.
2: It is. It is. I actually, when we were in Florida, the gentleman we took in the afternoon it was a long afternoon sit, so I gave him mine, which is still in Florida, so I'm actually looking at a brand new one that I got off Amazon just in time for turkey season. There you go.
0: There you go. Very cool. JR, man, that's awesome. I appreciate you doing that and going above mm-hmm. and beyond. I appreciate you doing the giveaway and Everybody, if you, well, whether you registered or not, you need to re-register this week. And so you can register, or if you need to re-register, then you can do that by texting Dixie Fowl, D-I-X-I-E-F-O-W-L, with no spaces. Text that to the number 44222. From there, you're going to get a text back that says, please enter your email address or please reply with your email address only. And once you do that, then you'll be entered into the giveaway for this coming week. So that is the Dixie Fowl Company gear. That is a knee rest, hand pruners, a thermocell refill, and wet wipes.
2: Mm-hmm. Tools yep. of the all, trade we can't all live without.
0: Yes indeed. hmm Yes indeed. Well, sir, you're very generous and very kind. Appreciate you very much. And I wish you luck this weekend because you're getting out on a youth hunt with yep. a young man. And I wish you both a lot of luck and hopefully the hammer will drop on a bird this weekend and you'll continue that Florida streak that you have going. <laughs> And we'll
2: see. I'm I'm hoping for the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So good deal. I'm going to let you get on with your evening, and I look forward to talking to you next week, and hopefully seeing another selfie with you and a turkey this weekend.
2: Yes, sir, and good luck in the morning.
0: Thanks, Jr. Have a great night. All right. Uh huh. Bye bye. Goodbye. All right. Congrats to Joe Casalco for winning the Dixie Fowl Company gear. Housekeeping item number four is the announcement of the winner of the Strutton 360 mechanical decoy stake. So here's Richard Duncan to tell us more about that. Hey everybody, I've got Richard Duncan on the line with me tonight to pick out another winner of the giveaway of the Strutton 360 Mechanical Decoy Steak. And Richard, how are you this evening?
4: I'm doing good, Andy. I'm going to be in the Turkey Woods Friday, so I'm feeling real good right now. I know. I'm
0: excited. Man, I just don't know if I'm going to sleep between now and opening morning, but hey... You know, I won't sleep once season starts anyway, so what's an extra day or two of no sleep?
4: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, I've been wondering about the Strutton 360. How many states have you sold and delivered the Strutton 360 to?
4: You know, Andy, it's really interesting. Not only have I sold in all 50 states, believe it or not, because we do have some people using the Strutton 360 for predator hunting. But these were actually all hunting sales, and then I've sold sold also to Mexico, New Zealand, and Canada.
0: Oh, well, that's cool. So I have always wondered about the turkey hunters in New Zealand, so did you sell those to a guide or an outfitter? There.
4: You know, I never talked. I, uh, I never talked to the guy. Yeah, He just placed an order online through my webpage and I had a ship to location and shipped it and never heard from him. So I don't know what the results are, but it actually did go to New Zealand
0: that's pretty cool well i would just about guarantee he's killing turkeys with that thing because from what i understand the new zealand turkeys are not like alabama turkeys they're pretty stupid
4: (laughs) (laughs) that's probably true
0: (laughs) so yeah they're probably just falling all over themselves to get on that strutting 360 decoy and get shot so that's that's pretty cool and then so all 50 states so you sold them to people in alaska
4: Absolutely. You know, I actually talked to a couple of the guys that bought Strutton 360s from Alaska, and what it was was they had moved to Alaska to be hunting guides, and one was actually from Georgia, one was actually from North Carolina, and they came back to the lower 48 to turkey hunt in the spring. Yeah. So I actually shipped them to Alaska, though. Yeah,
0: that's pretty neat. Yeah, I know a lot of outfitters up there— are there for their fall hunting season and that's it and they don't live there year round so that makes sense
4: yep for sure yeah
0: very cool well again you didn't know it but you just picked our winner so awesome the number of states that you sold in i'm actually going to bump it and include the countries and provinces that you've sold in as well so we've got mexico canada new zealand there's three and then we have 50 states so that means entry number 53 this week is our winner and i don't have a name for the winner but i do have an email address of duck commander 98 at com. so congrats to duck commander 98 i will be sending an email out to him and i will copy you on that email richard and hopefully we'll get a response back from him very quickly so that we can get that strutton 360 decoy out and get it in his hands asap so
4: that's awesome andy i shipped the first unit to our winner last week and he should have received that strutton 360 today so soon as we get the contact and mailing information and the ship to address, I'll have another Strutton 360 on its way.
0: Very cool. That's awesome. So let's do the text option again this week. You want to give away another one of these, don't you? Absolutely. That was kind of a leading question, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that I've talked Richard into doing another giveaway what we'll do is go back to the text option. And you guys who have not registered yet, what you need to do to register is text the word Strutton360. Make it one word, no spaces, and it's S-T-R-U-T-T-N 360 to the number 44. 222. And once you do that, you'll be prompted at that point to enter your email address. And once you enter your email address, that will register you for the giveaway. So I really recommend you guys go out there and register for this. We're gonna give one more away. I already know that Richard's gonna do two more after that for a total of five of these decoy stakes. But I don't know going forward if we're going to do these next two, the last two via social media giveaway or continue on with the podcast for giveaway for you guys, but once you enter you're entered. So go on text strutton 360 to 44222, get registered and then you don't have to worry about the other entries that we're doing. You're in the contest at that point. So Richard Thank you very much again for your generosity in doing this. And I hope that everyone listening will go and check out your website and tell us what that web address is again.
4: Andy, my webpage is www.rjduncan.com and Duncan is spelled D-U-N-K-I-N. So that's www.rjduncan.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, I recommend everybody go check out the website and check that product out and then also go over to your Facebook page, your business page, for the Strutton 360 and give it a like as well. Do you, during turkey season, I know you film a lot of hunts over the Strutton 360. Do you typically post those hunts on your Facebook page?
4: Andy, I've got a number of videos posted. And I'm working with video editors now so that we can get some more up. I've got a large number of hunts, and I'm always looking for good editors to edit videos. So if you have an interest, send me a note on my webpage. But there are videos out there. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. At Richard Duncan Strutton 360, or again, you can get us at www.rjduncan.com. All right,
0: awesome, Richard. Have a great night. Thank you again. Good luck to you this weekend. I hope you send me a picture of you with a dead turkey or two over the weekend.
4: Well, I hope so, Andy. It's been 12 months. It's been a long time coming, but we're within about 48 hours of hitting the woods
0: absolutely fantastic all right sir well i look forward to talking to you next week be safe out there this weekend and have a great one thanks andy thank you very much thank you goodbye bye all right congratulations to duck commander 98 joe and duck commander you will both be getting emails from me letting you know that you've won and you need to respond to those emails very quickly please so we can be sure to get those winnings out to you as soon as possible. Thanks to both of you for playing along, and I hope you enjoy your loot. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast.